Thank you so much. That was wonderful. Well, today we celebrate Mother's Day. And uh, it seems to me that mothers today are a little different than the mother I grew up with. Now, when I say a little different, that doesn't mean better or worse. It just means a little different. It seems to me that mothers have a tendency today to be a little more independent, a little more assertive than they once were. And that can be intimidating somewhat to some guys. There was a man who was having a recurring nightmare. And so he went to the counselor to discuss it with him. And as he discussed it with the counselor, he said, why don't you tell me about this dream that you're having? He said, well, every night I I, I wake up in a cold sweat. He said, "I, I am on a small island with 12 beautiful women. I'm the only man there. And the counselor said, you know, that doesn't really sound like such a bad dream to me. He said, have you ever tried to cook for 12 women? It's a little intimidating sometimes for some men. In 1944, there was a popular play titled, I Remember Mama. It was about a Norwegian immigrant family. And that was followed with a film, but today I want us to remember Mama. We look at a passage of Scripture that is perhaps one of the best-known Scriptures concerning a mother in 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning in verse number 9. Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And she, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy maidservant and remember me, and not forget thy maidservant, but will give thy maidservant a son... Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. The Lord answered that prayer. She had a son. So we see in chapter 2, verse number 18. Now Samuel was ministering before the Lord as a boy wearing a linen ephod. That was the boy. And his mother would bring him a little robe and bring it to him from year to year when she would come up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children from this woman in place of the one she dedicated to the Lord and went to their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. And the boy Samuel grew before the Lord. Now, those of us who grew up in a Christian home I am sure remember Mama's prayers. There were some of you who entered into this world as a surprise. There were others who came as the result of a mother's prayer. Hannah prayed for a child. In chapter 1, verse number 27, For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition which I ask of him. So when Samuel was born then, it was in response to a mother's prayer prayers. God has answered other such prayers. For instance, Rachel prayed for child. Jacob was married to Rachel and to Leah. Leah had seven children 
and Rachel was barren. So Rachel prayed asking for a child in Genesis chapter 30, verses 22 and 23. Then God remembered Rachel, and God gave heed to her and opened her womb. So she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. So Rachel then prayed for a child, and the child that was born to her was Joseph. I know that there are some of you who have also prayed for children. For some of you, that prayer has been answered, and the Lord has given you children. For others, that prayer has not been answered, in that the Lord has not given you the child. Though you may not understand it, you nevertheless continue to trust in the goodness of God because He is good. But after the child is born, mom continues to pray for the child. In chapter 2, verse number 1, then Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. So even after this child was born, the Bible says that Hannah continued to pray for her child. And all his life, his mother continued to pray for him. I would imagine that most of us have been influenced by our mother's prayers. Susanna Wesley had 17 children. And she prayed for those children for an hour every day. One of those children was John Wesley, another was Charles Wesley, and they were used of God to bring revival to England and to America, and I contend that much of their usefulness was the results of the prayer of a faithful mother. Most of us would say that our mothers prayed for us, and that has been a powerful influence in our lives. My mother prayed for me. She prayed for my salvation when I was a boy, and I'm sure that's the reason that I was saved when I was a boy. She prayed for my ministry, and I knew that she always prayed for my ministry. She prayed for my family. And I am indebted to my mother for her faithful prayer. She prayed for me. I am grateful for my wife who prays for my children, for her children. In fact, oftentimes, Linda will wake up in the middle of the night with one of the kids, either the Eric or Stephanie or one of the grandchildren on her heart, and she'll spend that time in prayer, lifting them before the Lord, praying for them. And I'm sure that many of you have done the same thing. You see, when we remember Mama, we remember her faithful prayers, a Christian mother lifting her family to the Lord, praying for them. But then we also remember Mama's sensitivity. And fortunately, Mom is not like Dad in that she is far more sensitive to the needs of her family than Dad normally is. She's sensitive to the needs of her husband. I'm amazed that it seems that Linda has a, a sensitivity to my needs. I don't necessarily express them, but she always seems to know what they are. Because... Uh, a woman just seems to be more sensitive to the needs of her family, sensitive to the needs of her children. Charles Spurgeon's father came home one day. He, he was concerned that he was spending too much time with the church, ministering to the needs of the church, while he was neglecting his own children. And when he came in on this particular day, he overheard his wife praying for their children name by name. 
And he said, I knew then that I could continue with my work because my children were well cared for. You see, a mother is sensitive to the needs of her family, her babies. Before the child can speak, she knows what that child needs. I never did. Whenever the child cries, I don't know if they need their diaper changed, if they're hungry, if they're sleepy. I never, I never knew. But a mother knows. She can tell. I don't know how she knows it, but she knows the needs of her child even before they can speak. When they are teenagers, she still knows their needs. She's sensitive to their needs. Eugene Burton said, Mother Nature is kind. She gives us 12 years to develop a love for our children before turning them into teenagers. But even during those teenage years, moms are still sensitive to those children, those teenagers. And you know what? Young people, your mom will never quit. Even when you're an adult, as long as your mom is alive, she will be sensitive to you. She will never... Just because you get to be 18 years old or 21 years old does not mean you have reached an expiration date. Mom is still going to be sensitive to you. She is sensitive to the needs of her family. She is sensitive to the voice of God. As a matter of fact, Hannah was more sensitive to the voice of God than was Eli the priest. You see, she was praying, asking for a child because that was her conviction that God wanted her to have a child. So she was convicted in her spirit by God that she was to have a child. And she was confident in his provision. In chapter 1, verse number 12, Now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth. Now, Eli was the priest. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart. Only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Then Eli said to her, How long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. You see, she believed that God was going to give her a child. That was something the Holy Spirit had placed within her, and she was sensitive to the voice of God. She was convicted to make her petition. She was confident in His provision, and she was content in His promise. In chapter 1, verse 17... Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the Lord of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Her burden disappeared because of the sensitivity she had to the voice of God. God had put it in her heart. And she believed that God was going to give her a child. And so the burden was now removed. She was sensitive to her family. She was sensitive to the voice of God and sensitive to her vow. Have you noticed that women seem to be more sensitive to the vows they make than we men sometimes are? I mean, whenever they are married and they they make a, a wedding vow, a marriage vow, they take that vow seriously. Well, Hannah made a vow in chapter 1, verse number 11. 
And she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy maidservant and remember me and not forget thy maidservant, but will give thy maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and a razor shall never come on his head. Now that was the vow that she made. She said, God, if you give me a child, if you will answer this petition, if you will bless me with a child, I will give the child back to you. The Bible says that was a vow that she had made. She was faithful to it. In chapter 1, verse number 28, So I've dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. She kept the vow and gave the child to God. When we remember Mama, we remember her sensitivity, don't you? Don't you remember your mother's sensitivity to you and to your needs at various times in your life? And then we remember Mama's hands. Do you remember your Mama's hands? Once Linda and I were going somewhere, and she said, you're doing the same thing with your hands your mother does. I said, what am I doing? She said, you're rubbing your fingers together. And I thought my mother did it because my mother's hands were always busy. She was always moving her hands. I, I was, there was a lady in our international ministry a few years ago from Turkey. She said, in the Eastern culture, a woman was counted worthy of affection according to her ability to make beautiful things with her hands. Now, here's the way I see it. With the heart... We feel love, and with the hands, we demonstrate love. Hannah demonstrated her love with her hands. If you look at chapter 2, verse number 19, And his mother would make him a little robe and bring it to him from year to year when she would come up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. So every year when she would come to see her boy, she would bring him a little robe that she had made him. Don't you know that every stitch she sewed was an expression of her love? As she made that little robe with her hands, it was the way she was saying to him, Son, you're still in my heart. Mothers express love with their hands. When she prepares a meal, it's not just putting food on the table. It is an expression of love. When my mother was still alive and we would go home, she would always try to prepare the things that I had liked as a boy. Uh, I always knew that that was her way of saying I love you, whether I still liked it or not. She remembered as a boy that I liked this, so that's what she prepared. It's the way that she said, I love you. When a mother keeps the family's clothes, it's not just the fulfillment of a duty. It is the way she says to her family, I love you. I remember on one occasion that Linda was ironing. And I knew that she was tired, and I, and I said to her, why don't you let those kids iron those clothes? And she said, they don't do it right. And she just kept on ironing. It had nothing to do with whether the kids did it right or not. It was an expression of her love. Well, you see, it is with a mother's hands. When you think of your mother's hands, 
It is the way that she demonstrates her love. By the things that she does for you, she is expressing her love for you. When when you think of your mother's hands, I, I hope you remember them as being folded in prayer. Billy Sunday told the story about a preacher who was going to visit a member of the congregation where he pastored. When he went to the home, he knocked on the door. There was a little boy came to the door, opened the door, and the pastor said, I, I would like to see your mom. And the little boy said, well, you can't see her now. Every morning from 9 to 10, she prays for us kids, and she's praying now. Billy Sunday said, all hell cannot tear a boy or girl away from a praying mother. You see, I hope when you remember your mom, I hope when your children remember you later in life, that they remember your hands folded in prayer, praying for their salvation, praying for their protection, praying for their safety, praying for their family. I hope when you remember your mom, that you remember her hands folded in prayer, praying for you. We remember Mama's hands demonstrating love, folded in prayer. Then we remember Mama's pain. It's impossible to be a mother without suffering some pain. And I'm not sure that Hannah fully understood when she made the vow she made the pain that would accompany that vow. She made a promise to God, a vow to God concerning this boy. She said, God, if you will give me a child, then I will give that child back to you. If you will give me a child, then I will dedicate that child back to you. And I think that she struggled with that vow. In chapter 1, verse number 21, Then the man Elkanah went up with all his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. Don't you know that during the time she had that little boy at her feet? During that time that she would hold that little boy, nurture that little boy, that looming before her was the thought that I'm going to have to give him to God. I think that was there. I think it was a struggle. When it was time to go to the yearly feast, I'm not going now. I'm going to wait until the child is weaned, and then I will go. But she nevertheless kept her commitment. In chapter 1, verse 24, now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with a three-year-old bull and one ephah flour and a jug of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although the child was young. She kept her promise. You know why? Because she understood that her child was a gift from God. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what the Bible says. That children are gifts from God. Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. So then, she understood that her son was a gift from the Lord. And she offered him as a gift to the Lord. There were two sacrifices made that day when she took her son. The priest made a sacrifice of a bull. Hannah 
made a sacrifice of her son. Well, what does she sacrifice? Daily affection. Don't you enjoy it? And I can tell that I see families here today. Don't you enjoy it when the family's together? After the service, uh, I'll get together with my family. We enjoy being together. But she gave that up. When she left her son there, she gave up that daily affection with her son. Well, I remember that. I remember when uh, Eric went to college. I remember when Stephanie went to college and how empty our house seemed to be at that time. When Eric went, I didn't have anyone to watch sports with. Linda doesn't watch sports. She doesn't watch cooking shows either, but she doesn't watch sports. <laughs> and so I didn't have anybody to watch sports with. I mean, when you, when you think about it, you know, whenever your children are gone, your, your life is greatly altered. Your home life is greatly altered when they are gone. So she gave up that daily affection. She also gave up her future provision because in that culture at that time it was understood that when the child grew up that they took care of the parent in their old age and she gave that up. When I read this story, I can't help but think of the story of Abraham. And you remember the story in the Old Testament when Abraham was making, was going to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice to the Lord. You remember the story. The Lord provided a ram, and so Isaac was spared. When Abraham went home, he went home with his son. When Hannah went home, she went home alone. She left her son there. Now, your pain might not be as dramatic as that of Hannah, but it's nevertheless real. You raise your children. Physically, you take care of them, you provide for them, you take them to the doctor, you cook for them, you do all those things, but you minister to their physical needs, so you raise them physically, educationally. I think in most homes it's the mom who sees that the schoolwork is done, that the homework is done, that, that the projects are done, and all those assignments that have been given are done, and so you have invested in them educationally, spiritually, I watched the video a while ago along with you as those children were expressing their thanks to their moms who had invested in them spiritually. Prayed for them. Read the Bible to them. Lived godly lives before them. Taught them to follow after the Lord. So you've raised your children. And then you're called on to release them. I mean, that's normal, but that's tough, isn't it? You release them to marriage. Uh, you know, you think about it. You plan about it. You know. They're going to grow up and get married. I hope they get a good guy and all of that, you know. They find someone, find, fall in love. And, uh, surely they could have done better than that. <laughs> uh, not the one I would have picked. But then you release them. You release them to marriage because they have to go and make their own home. Some of you have released your children to war. Some of you have released them to death. But it's tough. There's a pain that's involved. Some of you have watched your children slip into eternity. Let me conclude. The world has been blessed by the unselfish sacrifice of mothers. And Hannah 
made a sacrifice to the Lord. She kept her vow. God, if you will give me this child, then I'll give him back to you. She made that vow, that commitment to the Lord. But did you know she was also blessed as a result of that? If you look there at chapter 2, verse number 21, the Bible says, And the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters, and the boy Samuel grew before the Lord. Isn't that just like the Lord? I mean, not to replace Samuel, but the Lord always gives more than we give. He always blesses. She gave her son, and the Lord gave her other children. I know that you have uh, sacrificed for your children as well, but you've also been blessed. Hannah was blessed. Israel was blessed. In chapter 3, verse number 21, the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. This is because of Samuel. The Lord appeared again at Shiloh because the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Thus the word of Samuel came to all Israel. The point that I want you to make is that she offered a sacrifice, but there was a blessing that went with it. Moms, I'm sure that you would say that you have sacrificed for your children, but I am sure also you would say the blessing you received is greater than the sacrifices you made. I close with the reminder of Mary's sacrifice. She raised a son. She watched Jesus grow up. I'm sure she prayed for him as she nurtured him. She gave her son. She watched him die on the cross. Innocent, perfect, dying for the sins of mankind. And she provided us with a Savior. And it's because of His sacrifice on the cross that we can have eternal life. I don't think there is anything that is more honorable than being a godly mother or father. Your children are watching you provide a godly path for them to follow. Our gracious Father in God, we thank you so much for the testimony, for the story of Hannah, for her commitment to you. And Lord, I thank you for those Christian mothers here who are dedicated to you, loving their children, setting a godly example. I pray that you'll bless them. Father, be with those today who need to start the journey of following after Christ, that their families might follow their example. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir will sing a hymn of invitation. Opportunity for you to respond to the Lord. My friend, if you're here without Christ, I encourage you today to commit your life to Him. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. We'd love to have you. Stand with me, please, as we stand. The choir sings as they sing, you come. I'll greet you as you do.